Good morning. My name is Dan. I'm one of the pastors here at CCSC, and it's my privilege to bring you God's word this morning. The word of God comes from James chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. Please give your full, undivided attention to the reading of God's holy word. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation, and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father God, I pray that you would help me to preach your word with clarity and simplicity uh, so that your word is understandable and unforgettable. Holy Spirit, help me to present Christ in such a way that he is irresistible. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. James is writing to Christians who are all over the spectrum. Uh, Some are doing really well and others not so much. Some are wealthy and some are poor. Some are healthy and some are sick. Some are safe and others are being persecuted. We can look at the impact that COVID-19 is having on people right now. And the impact it's having varies drastically. On one end, there are those who are experiencing enormous loss. Loss of income, loss of health, maybe loss of loved ones. And on the other end, there are those who are actually doing rather okay. They're healthy, they're still working, and their livelihood is pretty much as stable as it was before. And whether it's this COVID season or actually any season, you'll always find Christians on one end of that spectrum. However, as varied as our experiences will be in life, James has one common command for all believers, and that is to boast. And I know that might sound strange for two reasons. The first is, isn't it wrong to boast? Aren't we supposed to be humble? And another reason why that sounds like a strange command is that, how can I boast if in this season of my life, I don't have anything to boast about? What if nothing is going right? What if everything is failing and falling apart? What's the answer to those questions? The answer is this, that not all boasting is bad and that it depends on the object of your boasting. If what we are to boast about is in the things of this world and our circumstances, then that is the wrong object of our boasting. What we boast in is where we find our validation and our sense of worth. And so the question is, what are you boasting in? Where do you find your validation? What ultimately makes you feel good about yourself or makes you feel significant. James knows and God knows that we are naturally wired to base our worth on our circumstances and our situations. If we're prosperous, it's hard not to boast in our success. If we're struggling, it's hard not to utterly despair. James has advice for prosperous Christians and for struggling Christians, and that advice is actually the same for both, and that is to boast. He's telling prosperous Christians, don't let the object of your boasting be in your achievements. And he's telling struggling Christians, don't let your sense of worth be in your setbacks and disappointments. Make sure that you know what the true object of your boasting ought to be. 
In these verses, James, what he's doing is he's rewiring the connections to our boasting. And the first group that needs rewiring is the rich. The first point is this. If you have a lot, boast in your humiliation. Verse 10, let the rich boast in his humiliation. Why does James need to tell the rich to boast? Isn't it already easy for the rich to boast? And the answer is yes, it is very easy for the rich to boast in the wrong things. And this is why James has to write to them. It's easy to boast in their wealth, their success, their positions, and their possessions. And I'm not saying that that is the case for every well-off believer. The Bible never condemns wealth. However, the Bible does warn us against the temptations of wealth. John Calvin, he says this, men are undoubtedly more in danger from prosperity than from adversity. For when matters go smoothly with them, they flatter themselves and are intoxicated by their success. There is potential spiritual danger when things are prosperous and going smoothly. And what is that danger? I'll put it this way. Getting can lead to forgetting. Hosea chapter 13, verse 6. When they had grazed, that's the Israelites, they became full. They were filled and their heart was lifted up. Therefore, they forgot me. The danger with success is an excessive focusing on oneself and forgetting about God. I think the Israelites are a perfect example of this. In Deuteronomy, Moses is preaching his final sermon to the new generation of Israelites just as they are about to cross the Jordan River into the promised land. And knowing that this land is going to be fruitful and good, knowing that they're about to enjoy so many blessings, Moses warns them so that they don't become intoxicated when things are going smoothly. As I read this passage in Deuteronomy 8, notice the correlation between worldly prosperity and spiritual amnesia. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God, lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, Then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You see, when we're full, that's when there's a good chance we're going to be forgetful. We begin to say in our hearts, my power and my might have gotten me this wealth. When in fact, everything is given to us by God. The only reason why you woke up this morning is because God graciously decided to give you another day. Your life is given to you by God. And the Israelites, they lost sight of that. They had forgotten that God delivered them out of the house of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. They forgot where they came from and what God had done for them. They forgot that they were not self-made, but recipients of God's grace. They began boasting in themselves in Deuteronomy chapter 8, boasting in their good houses, boasting in their silver, boasting in their gold. And ironically, it's when things were really good with them that they were not good with God. 
Again, that does not mean that when things are good with us, we won't be good with God. But there is a regular pattern we see throughout scripture, and we would be wise to avoid those costly mistakes. James wants us to avoid those costly spiritual mistakes. And so he says, boast in your humiliation. What does that mean? Boasting in your humiliation means remembering who you are without Jesus. So who are we apart from Christ? The Bible does not paint a pretty picture. Without Jesus, we are dead in our sin, objects of wrath destined for hell. Their wealth may afford people a lot here on earth, but wealth will never help anyone one bit when they stand before God in judgment. There is no security There is no salvation apart from Jesus. Yes, prosperity will make people feel secure and safe here in this earth. It'll make them feel stable and safe. But James says in verse 10, like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. And when he passes away and we all will, and we stand before God, gold will do no good and silver will not save. Proverbs chapter 11, verse four says, riches do not profit in the day of wrath but righteousness delivers from death. Proverbs says that only righteousness will deliver us from that eternal death. That means the only way we are delivered from wrath is by perfect righteousness. But the problem is that we don't possess that righteousness in ourselves because we are all sinners. And we can't borrow that righteousness from anyone else because they're also sinners. Therefore, that righteousness must come from someone else, from a perfect person. And the gospel teaches us that righteousness only comes from Christ alone. He alone was perfect. James wants the wealthy to remember who they are without Christ. And when they do that, their boasting is transferred from their work to Christ's work. That's what it means to boast in one's humiliation. And I believe that we boast the best When we look at the cross, when we look to the cross, there we see what happened to Jesus. But it's important that we don't just look at the cross and say, that's what happened to Jesus. We need to look at the cross and say, that is what was supposed to happen to me. That was my sin. Therefore, that should have been my pain, my shame and my punishment and my wrath. And yet that all fell on Christ. That because of the cross, Jesus drank the cup of God's wrath until it was empty and we are forgiven. God's anger is turned away and we are now recipients of his grace and perfect love. Jesus did all of the work. This is why Paul says, far be it from me to boast except in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ. Practically, How do we make sure we boast in our humiliation when success does come our way? The first practical point is to be thankful for success, but also beware. One of the best ways to avoid boasting in yourself is to practice gratitude towards God every day. It's to learn to thank God every day for everything that you have so that you don't take his gifts for granted. Sarah Jew, during one of our staff meetings, she shared in her devotional, and I believe this was during last Thanksgiving, she had her kids do this arts and craft 
where they would write down on different leaves what they're thankful for and paste it to a wreath. She looked over at what her daughter Leah wrote and she wrote chair on one of her leaves. You kind of laugh at that chair. And she asked, why did you write chair? And she said, well, if we didn't have chairs, what would we sit on? And I thought, man, that's pretty deep, actually. That she was so thankful for something so simple that we would often take for granted and overlook. On another one of her leaves, she wrote life. Life. I'm learning from a kid here that how often am I thankful for my life? Do I recognize that this life that I have is given to me by God every breath and to learn to be thankful for that? We need to practice gratitude for the often overlooked mercies and gifts God gives us every day. Be thankful, but also beware. Charles Spurgeon, he says this, beware of the smooth places of the way. These smooth places are common places where many Christians slip up in their walk with God. It's when life is easygoing and comfortable and calm, that's when we can slip up. And so beware when you get into that college or grad school. Beware when you get that job or promotion. Beware when you get published or you get that award. Beware when you become Instagram famous or you get that relationship or you move into that nice house. Beware because getting things can often get in the way of God. Second practical point, remember God's grace. We must remember that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus' work alone, not by our work, so that no one may boast. And if you're not a believer, I want to invite you to set aside whatever it is that you're boasting in. Wherever it is you're finding your validation, whatever it is that's making you feel secure, I want to invite you, as Isaiah chapter 55 says, come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and he who has no money, come by and eat. Come by wine and milk without money and without price. Here, God is inviting everyone to come to him. And you don't need to buy your salvation because it is freely offered by God's grace because Jesus already did everything. And there you will find your greatest worth and significance. And most importantly, salvation. And so when we remember who we are without Christ, that keeps us from boasting in ourselves. But what about those now who have a little? What do they boast in? Do they have anything to boast about? And the answer is yes. The second point is this. If you have a little, boast in your exaltation. If the prosperous need to remember who they are without Jesus, the lowly need to remember who they are with Jesus. Verse 9, James says, let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation. And so if boasting in your humiliation means remembering who you are without Jesus, boasting in your exaltation means remembering who you are with Jesus. James is writing to many Christians who are feeling lowly. And this word lowly means inferior, of low degree, 
low condition. It literally means not rising far off the ground. These were Christians who were looked down on by others. And it was hard for them not to look down on themselves. And we can look down on ourselves for so many reasons and feel lonely. One reason is maybe our appearance. This is not just something teenagers struggle with. Even into adulthood, we struggle and wrestle with our appearance. We're not fit enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not slender enough. And we'll feel lowly. Maybe it's relational status. Relationships in many ways are a status symbol. And if you're not in a relationship, you can feel lowly. Being single can make you feel lowly. Maybe it's social status. You're not popular and you're not cool. You wish more than anything that you were more extroverted so that people would like you more and more regularly invite you out to events. But because you're not, you feel lowly. Maybe it's your family. Maybe your family is broken. Maybe your parents are separated or divorced. Maybe you have family members who've been to prison or have undignified reputations and your family makes you feel lowly. Maybe it's an illness. Maybe some form of illness prevents you from socializing, from working, from keeping up with your kids or enjoying the outdoors and you want to be active. You want to be helpful, but you can't and you feel lowly. Maybe it's your career and it's not taking off. You've been moving horizontally or even backwards for years. You're not making as much money as you would like. Maybe you were just laid off or furloughed and you feel lowly. For those reasons, we as Christians can feel inferior. And if you're in a season of lowliness, James is writing to you and he says, boast in your exaltation. The lowly can't help but think about all the things they are without. But James is saying, remember what it is you are with. They need to remember that they are with Christ. Do you know what it means that you are with Christ and what you possess in Christ? In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul writes that Jesus, who was rich, he became poor so that in his poverty, you might become rich. If you are a believer, you are rich. You have everything that Christ has given you, all the privileges and all the blessings. The only problem is that we struggle to see what that means. And one of the greatest of those privileges is the fact that we are children of God. And I want to remind you what that means. First John chapter 3, verse 2. John writes, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. There are two things we can learn from that verse. The first thing is, if you are a believer, you are God's child right now. Right now, you are loved by God. Right now, you have all the blessings and privileges in Christ. And yet, this verse also teaches us, you have yet to see what that fully looks like. It's like you have it, but you have yet to fully see it. Looking at your life now, I know there are times when it might not look like much. When your life looks unspectacular, being a child of God can feel unspectacular. But what John is saying here, that day is going to come. 
when you will see eyes wide open what it means that you are a child of God. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We just celebrated Easter, Jesus' resurrection. But Paul teaches us that Jesus' resurrection is actually our resurrection. Everything he accomplished, we will also experience. We too will have glorious resurrected bodies and lives. Paul writes, what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Paul is speaking about us. We are perishable. We understand dishonor. We are sown in weakness. But you will be raised in glory. And you will be raised in power. At the end of the classic Christian book, Pilgrim's Progress, the protagonist, whose name is Christian, finally reaches the celestial city, which is heaven, after an arduous journey here on earth. And he's having a conversation with the shining ones who are angels. And they're describing what heaven will be like and what he will be like in heaven as well. And as I read this, I want you to also picture what heaven will be like and what you will be like in heaven. There you shall not see again such things as you saw when you were in the lower region upon the earth, sorrow, sickness, affliction, and death, for the former things have passed away. There you shall be clothed with glory and majesty to put into an equipage fit to ride out with the king of glory when he shall come with sound of trumpet in the clouds as upon the wings of the wind, you shall come with him. And when he shall sit upon the throne of judgment, you shall sit by him. Also, when he shall return to the city, you shall go too with the sound of trumpet and be ever with him. I don't know what an equipage is, but it sounds amazing. And I'm looking forward to this experience. And you should as well. The author of Pilgrim's Progress, his name was John Bunyan. And he was imprisoned for 12 years for preaching the gospel in the 1600s, and he wrote Pilgrim's Progress while he was in prison. And I can imagine how important it was for him in such a lowly estate to picture that celestial city and what was in store for him so that he could persevere during that very low season in his life. Believer, meditate on your exalted, exalted status in Christ. Look forward to what is to come when you too will be clothed in glory and in majesty and be with Christ forever. Boast in your exaltation. Do not focus on all the things you are without. Focus on the things that you are with and you are with Christ. And to close, I think any given day, we need to boast in our humiliation and in our exaltation because every day brings its ups and downs. In the morning, you can hear that you got your dream job. And then later in that evening, the doctor can call and say that the biopsy is showing stage four. So in any given day, you can go from needing to remember who you are without Christ so that you are not overly prideful. And then later in the day, remember who you are with Christ. So you're not utterly led to despair. 
I want to share a line from the chorus of the response song we're going to sing. It goes like this. Hallelujah. All I have is Christ. I want you to know that if all you have is Christ and nothing else, you will always have a reason to sing. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I love this song because if you're prosperous, this song reminds you that apart from Christ, you're nothing. But if you're lowly, this song also reminds you that with Christ, you have everything. Let's boast in Christ as we sing this song together. But let me pray first. Let's pray. Father God, far be it from us to boast in anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remind us that who we are in Christ far surpasses worldly wealth and fame. Help us when we are lowly in spirit to look forward to that celestial city where we will be arrayed in glory and majesty. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.